Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. As always on the Greatest Games Podcast, the chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach and an assistant coach, coaching their daughter in fourth grade travel basketball, just whatever they consider to be their greatest game. You are, I tell you what, that might be one of our new things, Chris, <laughs> just, just digging deep in the grab bag of, of possible greatest games. So fourth grade, I love it. We do not have a fourth grade coach with us today. We have another high school coach in South Carolina with us today. He just got the head job at West Florence High School in Florence, South Carolina. Nate Livesey, welcome to the greatest games. Hey, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to this. Uh, any chance I get to talk basketball is a good time. So thanks for having me on. You going to say anything clever, Brian, or not? You going to leave that to me? No, okay. Normally, I just, you know, we, we have a nice little flow here and uh, a nice <laughs> little script that we follow. And normally after the guest, you know, I don't want to say anything publicly here, but normally after the guest says something, you're the one to jump in. There's no blame here, but uh, normally you it jump sounds in like there. There's so. blame. <laughs> it sounds like there's blame. We, we had a good conversation beforehand with, uh, with Coach Livesey about uh, uh, trying to do a workout without touching a basketball. As uh, Coach Livesey is working with his team this summer. How's that going, Coach? Well, you know, it's, it's been interesting. You know, the, uh, the first couple of weeks we were out there, we were actually, we weren't even allowed to be inside. So, you know, June workouts with the basketball team on a football field is, uh, you know, not, not something we typically do. But, uh, you know, for me, you know, take just, just having taken over this job, I mean, I'll do anything I can do to get in front of my guys, you know. So, um, you know, it's not ideal, but you just give us a chance to talk about, you know, controlling what we can control. And for, for me, just giving a chance to start developing relationships, you know, see what, what I have to work with, what kind of guys we have. Um, and they've come and they've worked hard. And, uh, you know, last week we were able to, uh, we finished our 10 days of purgatories. We were able to move into the gym and uh, <laughs> give everybody a ball, uh, their own ball that they can't share, can't rebound, can't pass, can't touch anybody else's ball. But, uh, you know, they were thankful to be back in the gym with their teammates. And so it was, it was good for me. It was the first time I've been able to see them, um, you know, play basketball in person. I'm sure there are some kids that don't mind not having to pass the ball. I'm sure that is there's some. <laughs> you know that I've, I've, we've had that comment a number of times that it's like the the perfect scenario for a lot of players that everybody has their own ball the whole time. <laughs> Coach can't pass it, not allowed to. So I got to take the shot. You know, uh, Coach, why don't you take us through uh, your resume in basketball and how you got uh, to where you are now there at West Florence. All right, it's a it's a long road. I'm a kind of a, the Larry Brown School of Basketball, trying to see how many different places I can coach at. Um, but it's it's been really good. Uh, you know, I knew uh, after I finished high school that I was never going to be uh, a player, and so I went right into coaching. I actually stuck around at my high school. Um, and drove back uh, about half an hour to coach the junior varsity team. Uh, my first three years of college, um, and then. Uh, my last two years at King College, um, I joined the staff there. I was a student assistant the first year. Um, you know, we had a, you know, another uh, student assistant and an assistant coach. On um, the following season, he left, so it was just me and the head coach uh, coaching. So I kind of got thrown into the fire there right away at King. Um, 
I played uh, high school basketball for Don Bell, who was the coach at AC4 for a long time. And uh, he ended up uh, at AC4 after he coached me. And so after I left King, my first job was uh, coaching the junior varsity team, um, teaching English at AC4 High School. So I did that for a couple of years. Um, after two years of that, I got the opportunity to join Greg Nybert um, at Presbyterian College and got just like a, uh, a one-year crash course um, in basketball. You know, I, the, there's probably never been another year um, where I've learned more about basketball um, than that year. Um, you know, it was, it was great, uh, really, especially defensively shaped a lot of the things that I still want to do. Um, after leaving um, Presbyterian, actually, I, I went to Sumter High School uh, for eight years. Um, and that was, it's funny how that worked out. I actually, somebody told me about the job and I said, you know, I should probably get some practice interviewing in case college coaching doesn't work out, but there's no way a, a school like Sumter is going to hire a 25 year old head coach. Um, but I went and interviewed and interviewed well and um, timing was right. Um, and, you know, they offered me the job. So I took it. Um, and you know, again, another eight great years there. Um, you know, great, great time with those guys. Um, and then uh, after I finished at Sumter, um, I took a, took a break from coaching uh, for a year. Um, took a break from scholastic coaching. I still coached uh, with the Upward Stars Southeast, uh, the original team, like the, the very first year that Upward formed that team. Um, was able to, to coach with, with Thomas uh, Ryan and, and Kenny Burr and Kurt Wheeler. Um, and that was, you know. That oh, that's a, that is a crew right there. Wow. Yeah, and it was, that was, uh, <laughs> that was something. I mean, those, those tournaments, and we, you know, we had uh, some, you know, for the AAU circuit, you know, for some of the events we played, we had a pretty no-name team. Um, but, man, we had some winners, and we won a bunch of games. We won the Nike Memorial Day Classic one time with those guys, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then after that, uh, I joined Jeff DiBattisto at Dreer for a year, um, and, you know, that was a great experience to, uh, to, to coach uh, – get to coach Tevin back and get to coach with Jeff, um, you know, as an assistant, um, you know, that was, it was, it was a really good experience. Um, and then after that, just the, the itch to get back into teaching and coaching started. And so I uh, took the job at Beaufort high school, um, was there from 2014 to 2017. Um, and then my family, you know, the, the salt water, you know, gets in, gets in your, uh, your heart. And then my family didn't want to leave. So I stuck around and coached two more years um, at Buford Academy um, and then decided that uh, this last season I needed to become a better coach and, and just prepare for whatever my next opportunity was going to be. And so I, I kind of got like the basketball junkie year. I got to be a nomad. Uh, I went uh, watched practice in colleges and high schools all over South Carolina. You know, I hit up College of Charleston, Citadel, uh, Charleston Southern University, South Carolina, uh, spent three or four days at, at Dorman with, with Thomas Ryan um, twice, um, you know, just to, to see what they were doing. Um, and then, you know, I think I ended up seeing 25 or 30 high school games uh, throughout the season and just a, just a great opportunity to, uh, to get better as a coach without having a team. And then at the end of May, uh, when Daryl Jarvis left to go to Dreer, um, you know, West Florence got in contact with me and, uh, you know, it was a, I think it was a great fit on their end and on my end and I uh, was, was happy to do that. And so um, for the last six weeks, I've been the head coach at West Florence High School. And you have the best record right now, too, you, have, you know. No, yeah, no, no losses. No one can complain about you losing. Yeah, I might get to stay undefeated for a long time. <laughs> 
uh, Coach, I want to pick up on something um, when you were going through the resume, and I haven't read through it, you know, before you sent it to us. And you, you talk about taking uh, last year off, and then you had another year sort of where you got out of scholastic coaching. W- were those by design? Were those uh, – how, how did that – how did the mental health go for you uh, in those things? Because we know we can grind ourselves to death with this stuff. Yeah, they, they, they both were by design. Uh, I'm not sure what followed after them was, was exactly according to the plan. But my plan, uh, when, when I left Sumter, um, like the, the plan was to either get a, a, another really good job uh, or to sit a year and wait for something. To, to, to pop, um, you know, and, and that, that changed uh, during the year that I left Sumter. Uh, I ended up going to work for a nonprofit called World Orphans um, and spent some time with them. And so that kind of changed um, the trajectory of, of my coaching decisions for the, for the, for the, for really since then, um, you know, when I was on the drear, I was able to continue that job and at Buford High and Buford Academy, I was able to continue that job. You know, but now going back to West Florence, you know, I'll be full time in the classroom and and on the court. So uh, and then last year, yeah, it was by design. You know, I just I just decided that, uh, you know, it's it's tough to coach when when you take it more seriously than everyone around you. Um, And that, you know, at a a small piece of school, you know, that's the way it is sometimes. And so, you know, it it was a great experience and love all the people at Buford Academy. Um, But it just I just thought it would be better for me as a basketball coach to take a year and to get better. Um, and so that, like I said, that's what I did. I, I went as many places, anybody who would let me in the gym, I went to watch them practice and play. Um, and it, it was, it really, um, I think it was, it kind of refreshed your passion and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back into it. So I can't say that everything that happened was by design, but the years off were by design. You know, I've had the pleasure of watching a lot of your teams play over, especially at Sumter, watching them just execute, 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 playing very, very hard. And you're one of those guys that in South Carolina that uh, I've respected greatly as a coach and know that wherever you go, whether you're in coaching or out of coaching, you're going to get another job. And there are always people clamoring to get you as, as their next coach. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to hear you're not that old and, and you've been in basketball in South Carolina for a long, long time. So I'm interested to hear if you have any beliefs that have changed from when you first got into it to now after going through a couple of times where you step away for a couple of years. So any change beliefs that you've had? Well, I don't know if there's any, any change beliefs that I have. I, I think that the thing that I like to tell people is, you know, you really, you know, kind of getting your first head coaching job at 25, you know, kind of take everything back to there. And so I compare, you know, now to then. And, you know, I felt like, you know, I knew a lot of basketball, then, you know, and I tell people now, um, you know, I know about other things as well. You know, like that when I was 25, I knew basketball and that was it. You know, I knew I knew what it took to win. I knew what it took to put a successful team together. Um, but all I knew about anything was basketball. And uh, now, you know, I have a much better perspective on how the world works, how schools work, how, how kids work, um, you know, the things off the court. You know, I, I never forget, um, you know, somewhere somewhere in the fall of my first year at Sumter, um, Donna Bison called, we, I don't know what she called me, and we ended up in her office talking, and the, the conversation wasn't going great. And at one point, she just exasperatedly looked at me and said, you didn't take this job at Sumter and not know this. And I said, yeah, I did. I had no idea. Like all I, like I, I knew basketball. I didn't know, you know, politics. I didn't know the, the pecking order. I, I just knew basketball. 
And so like, you know, over the course of the last 18 years, you know, I've learned, you know, a lot of the, uh, the auxiliary things. And I, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, you grow as a basketball coach and you, yeah, I've learned a ton of things, um, you know, but I don't know if my, any of my core beliefs about what it takes to win and what it takes to be successful have changed. Maybe just how to, how to get there. That's interesting. Uh, Brian, we're going to give you a layup today. Coach has talked a few times now about coaching at Sumter High School, Sumter, the hometown of Brian Rosefield. That's right. Mm-hmm. Named after the great uh, American Revolutionary War General Thomas Sumter. What was Thomas Sumter's nickname? He was the Gamecock, right? There you go. I gave, okay. you, an easy, I gave you an easy history question today. Oh I'm one for the last 32, so I feel <laughs> yeah, good about that. <laughs> Figure I'd give you an easy one today, Coach. Um, I, now I may be mis—I may be misremembering, but I, I did watch you coach at Sumter a bunch when I helped uh, Brian and John out there at Ridgeview, and I believe you brought your teams over to South Carolina team camp a few times, and uh, you were um, animated, to say the least, on the sidelines. So, uh, I, tell us a story about maybe a time that uh, you lost your cool, maybe you got a technical foul, or you or you broke a whiteboard or kicked a chair. I don't know. Something funny. Give us something good. Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have any idea what you're talking about, Chris. He's never said anything to a referee. Like, come on, Chris, like seriously. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I think this is you know, anybody who listens to this podcast who knows me is going to be shocked. <laughs> all of that description. I'm, I'm not calling you Pat. I'm not calling you Pat Edson, <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, you know, honestly, um, you know, I mean, a story about a technical foul, you know, there's probably been a few of those. But, uh, you know, honestly, I can say that I don't ever remember breaking anything. Like, I don't, I don't know that, uh, you know, I've kicked anything or broken anything. So, I don't know what I've had anything to go there. I do – I probably the funniest story that I can remember um, is we were playing a holiday tournament at Keenan. Um, and uh, we had one of those interactions with an official that resulted in Zach Norris stopping the game. Um, and having a conversation with the officials for an extended period of time, trying to get them to reevaluate their stances on some things. And uh, <laughs> as, as usual, you know, the, both Zach and I lost and, and, and things were done the way they wanted to do them. But, uh, you know, that's, that, that, that's definitely, uh, hopefully, let's say, let's leave, put it this way, hopefully the, the collection of those stories will, will not um, be expanded in my time at West Point. No, I'm not letting this go. So you oh. got a, so you got in trouble with the officials. Then Coach Norris got in trouble with the officials. Is, is well, that Coach, what I Coach, Coach, Yeah, Coach Norris tried to intervene um, <laughs> at the at the obvious uh, mistake that was happening. Um, <laughs> he, he was as unsuccessful as I was. Brian, you need, I, Brian, you need to hire this guy because that's the most political answer I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the good thing is we won the game. <laughs> well we're, we're gonna go ahead and move on from that one but uh, the, uh i appreciate that yeah i i'm gonna go back to something i said a minute ago your kids your teams have played so hard they've executed so well uh i would love to hear and i'd love for our listeners to hear how you approach that how do you get kids to play that hard how do you get kids to execute uh in in the confines of, of a team game well, two, two things. Uh, one um, is Sumter kids are different. Like, I mean, it just, you know, like that, that's, 
Um, yeah, you know, I can't take full credit for all that because those kids, I mean, that's just, that's the way they're wired. I mean, like the, like Sumter kids are going to go at you. They're going to compete. They're not going to back down. Like that's, you know, that was like, that's a lot of that is them. Um, but then for the part that we do control, I mean, I think kids will do what's demanded of them, you know, and if, if playing hard is the only acceptable option, like that's, that's what happens you know um you know i i am uh passionate i am animated um and you know like we we start with that like nothing else we do matters if we're not going to play hard um and so that is you know that's talked about from the from the time you take the job to till the time you're done um is we're going to play hard like everything goes from there um and so really um you know we we don't you know, we don't call it a non-negotiable. We don't, we don't really have a name for it, but like, if, if you're not going to do that, like you're not going to play, you know? And, and, and so that's really, um, you know, I was fortunate to coach kids that play hard. Um, and then we demanded they do it. And so it kind of spreads. And then when, whenever you do something and it works, then you get the next group to do it, you know? And so, um, you know, we were fortunate to have success quickly at Sumter and it just became part of what we do. And then it was always something we did. Um, you know, and, and then at Buford, Buford High, we did the same thing. We played hard. Um, and, you know, here at West Florence, that's the plan, you know, because it just like if you're not going to play hard, if you're not going to compete, you're not going to be successful. And so like that is that's something that we're going to, you know, teach and demand and prod and conjole and whatever we have to do to get that to happen, um, you know, every day. And so I think it's, you know, how do we get it to happen? I think it's just because we talk about it all the time. We demand it. Um, and if it doesn't happen, we'll play somebody else. God, I love that. That's awesome. I'm, I'm sorry, Brian. I'm emotional from that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, just before we get to the next thing, that's so true, Coach. I, I tried to tell my kids last year, like, listen, I can guarantee you if you don't play hard, we have no chance at being successful. If you do play hard, it doesn't guarantee that we're going to be successful, but it's the only way you have a chance to be successful. You know, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's one of the, uh, you know, kind of just one of the, the things that we talk about all the time. You know, one of the, the, the slogans or logos that we put on stuff is, is you pay the price. You know, um, you know, winning has a price. You know, getting a scholarship has a price. You know, like whatever it is you want out of basketball has a price. Um, and if you pay it, you get it, you know, and if you don't pay it, you don't, you don't get it. And, you know, playing hard is the beginning of that. And it's like the cost of admission. You know, if you're not going to, if you're not going to play hard, you don't have any chance to get what you want out of basketball. I like that. I like that. All right, coach. Now it's time for you to tell us about your greatest game, the name of the namesake of the podcast. I want to, I want to be in the gym. I want to feel the sweat dripping off people. I want to hear you yelling at the refs. I want to hear the fans booing the refs calls. I want to be in that gym. Take us inside. Tell me what it was like during your greatest game. All right. So, uh, you know, the, there's so many, so many, it was so, it's so hard to pick the, the greatest game. I mean, there's so many games. You need, I just think back to, you know, even, you know, just as in a, a very first year, you know, a triple overtime game where a freshman comes off the bench and hits six threes and, you know, and, and then, you you know, you're, you're an you're assistant in a Presbyterian and, um, you know, we're in the NCAA tournament and then you know, we have a guard named Chuck Rayford who scores like 15 straight points in the second half to send us to the uh, Sweet 16. Um, and so there's so many games, it was, it's hard to nail it down to one, but, um, you know, the, 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 single 
greatest memory I have as a basketball coach is um, the 2006 playoffs. Uh, we were able to host uh, Lower Richland um, at Sumter in the third round of the, the 4A playoffs, uh, you know, thanks to the predetermined brackets. Um, you know, two region champions play each other and they had to come to us. Um, and that place was just, I mean, it's 30 minutes apart. Um, you know, LR is a basketball school and Sumter is an athletic school that hadn't had a third round playoff game in 15 years or longer. Um, and so, I mean, that place was full, you know, well before 730. Um, and they have Mike Jones. Um, I don't remember what the record was, but I know they hadn't lost to anyone in South Carolina. They were undefeated in South Carolina. Uh, and he's going to Syracuse. And, I mean, you, you guys both saw Mike Jones. And, I mean, he's just – I mean, he was something else. You know, he was athletic, skilled. I mean, he could do whatever he wanted, you know. And so, um, you know, they are, you know, obviously, you know, making, making plans to hang a banner. Um, you know, and especially, like I said, Sumter. You know, we we'd won our first region championship in, in, in a decade and first playoff games in a decade. And, you know, we were just a speed bump on the way to Columbia. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that was – that place was electric from the time – from the time it went up. But it was kind of uh, electric with like a, a foregone conclusion that, you know, LR was going to run through us and, and go on to, to, to play the next game. Um, and so, uh, you know, every, obviously our scouting report, you know, our game plan is slow Mike Jones down. Let's get him stopped. Let's make him work. Um, we're midway through the first quarter. Um, it's 10 to 10. I have to call a timeout and Mike Jones has all 10 other points. So, uh, you know, the, the game plan is not, not working exactly, um, the, the way that we wanted it to, but cause we knew, I mean, we knew he was the guy, you know, he was the guy and they had Rashawn Brailsford, another super athletic guy. Um, and then kind of to add fuel to the fire, uh, one of their starters, I think their third leading scorer was a kid uh, that had transferred from Sumter, um, had decided he had a better opportunity to, to be successful somewhere else. And so he was coming home, you know, playing for the visitors. Mm. And uh, our, our kids um, were fired up for that. And so were our fans. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, it's a back and forth game. You know, we, we were 24 and 3 or 23 and four. So, I mean, we, we were good too. And then we, we had, uh, you know, undersized and athlete. I think my point guard was six, two and my center was six, two. Um, you know, so like we were just all kind of the same, uh, you know, athletic and tough and, um, we, we competed, um, but they, they were better than we were, you know, Jones had, you know, 15 points at halftime and Rashawn Brelford caught one off the rim and, and dunked it on a couple of our guys. And, you know, so it's, it's a back and forth game. Um, and then in the third quarter, we're down five. Um, and in the next two minutes, you know, we have a, a, a little guard named Travis Durant, uh, who was a backup shooting guard, about five, nine, uh, shooter. And, uh, you know, just kind of funny background to that story is, you know, the, the, that was the third round of the playoffs. So that would have been a Wednesday night. The Monday night before the playoffs started, we played. We had to play Spring Valley in the first round, and our practice was so bad. Um, and Travis was so. Travis was one of the main culprits. Um, I threw him out of practice. 
I, I said, we said we're, we're done. We just cut it off. And I, I told him and said, when you lose in the first round of the playoffs tomorrow night, remember how you practice today. Um, and then, of course, you know, we win that game by 20. And then we play Colton County in the second round and win that game by 20. Um, and so they're feeling really good. And, um, and so we're down five. And I put Travis in because our other shooting guard has passed up some shots that I felt like he should have taken. And in the course of about two minutes, Travis hits three. Then he hits another three. Then he hits another three. And then he hits a fourth three. And we go from down six to up six. And the game is over. Um, but you know, every time Travis hit one of those threes, the gym got louder. And when that fourth three went in, I, I mean, I really thought the roof was going to blow off the gym. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard a sound that loud in a gym. That, that right there. And now I'm, I'm, I'm biased cause I've been in that gym several times <laughs> at, at Sumter high. It's a fantastic facility. It's enormous for really a, a high school basketball facility. And when, and truthfully, I've seen regular games in there, and it's just kind of cavernous in there. There's not not a whole lot of folks in there. But now you're describing a third-round Elite Eight action in South Carolina High School League playoffs. It's full. That place, it's, it's like I said, as big as it is, I can only imagine how loud it was. And to hear Travis hit a, a three, a three, a three, a three against a team like Lower Richland, which, you know, our listeners are from all over the country. know we're getting into the world now. Lots in New Jersey, lots in South Carolina. So Lower Richland High School basketball, that's just a staple in South Carolina. Like you say, like they were probably viewing something as just, a, like you say, a bump in the road to get to, get to to get to a state championship. But Mike Jones in his time at Lower Richland was 74-10. and 10. He was three times the South Carolina 4A player of the year and Mr. Basketball his senior season. So this is a – this player is a high-level player, and to hear y'all go from down six to up six, I can only imagine you just I, – I can see you on the sideline just trying to kind of keep it together, try to keep it calm a little bit, but kind of wondering, like, what is happening here? Like, we're just going to – we're going to win this game. Yeah, and the great part is, you know, like, you know, I'll take credit for a couple of them. Like, we have a couple of, you know, kind of your zone philosophy. Like, we have, you know, set plays we're trying to get shots for shooters. And so, like, the the first one, you know, was almost certainly one of our, our sets. And the second one was one of our sets. But then I think the third one, like, we were running the ball trying to get a play inside, and Travis just catches it and shoots it, you know. And so, and, you know, the fourth one, you know, like, you're, why, you're not going to, you're not going to call another play for Travis because there's no way they're going to let him get another three. And same thing again, like we're on the same play and he gets a wide open three and just drills. I mean, they had all four of them from the same spot. Like there was a, a shot chart. I mean, there's four X's on top of each other, I mean, <laughs> maybe three feet apart, uh, you know? And so, you know, so that's, we're still in the third quarter, you know, but that puts us up and we never, we never give the lead up. Um, and then I remember in the fourth quarter, um, you know, we get out and we're, we're starting to feel confident. You know, the, the, the kid that transferred pulls up for a three right in front of their bench and he gets it blocked like back into his face. Um, at, right. As uh, the end, I think it was the end of the third quarter, he takes that three and kid blocks it. And it, I had to go get my player and bring him back to the bench. He wanted, <laughs> he wanted to tell him a little bit more about that block, um, you know, and so then in the fourth quarter, you know, we, we get to finally get to, um, yeah, I think we open up like an eight or nine point lead and the, the final nail, um, my point guard drives and, uh, and draws the defense and dishes. And we had a really athletic uh, football wide receiver, you know, our leading rebounder, um, you know, state championship track runner guy. Um, he dishes the ball to him and he dunks it on or in the vicinity of Mike Jones. And, and it was and it was done. You know, I mean, the game, the game was over. Um, at that point, you know, and, and so, 
Um, you know, and then after that game, you know, like, like I said, you know, Sumter had, you know, hasn't had many down stretches in, in their, in their history, but you know, we, we were coming in right after one. Um, and I've, I've never, never shaken so many hands. I think I shook the hand of everybody in the gym that night. So, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, it was kind of, kind of nice, you know, cause you want, you always want to shake hands and always want to, you know, celebrate, but it's, it's also, you know, the playoffs. And so you're trying to find out who you're playing that. So yeah. like, <laughs> I have my phone in my pocket vibrating, trying to see like, who's, who's telling me who we're playing while I'm shaking hands. So that was a long, a long post game, but definitely a fun one. Uh, to talk a little bit more about the game and about, I'm not trying to focus on Mike Jones, but Brian gave the, the, his resume, uh, for those who didn't see him play, he was an NBA level talent. Um, he had some issues when he went to college, never wound up fulfilling that potential. But if you saw this guy play in high school, he was an NBA level, uh, player forward, guard forward, but he could do anything, like you said. Going into the game, did you guys have a specific plan to try to shut him down or to limit – not shut him down, but to limit him? Yeah, I mean, we, we just really – we wanted to, uh, to to mix it up, you know, and just we wanted to make make them uncomfortable. You know, like I don't, I don't think we had any illusions – um, about stopping him, um, you know, and the way it worked out, you know, I mean, he, I think he ended up with 25, but they ended up with 50, uh, you know, so we, we did a, a good job on everybody else. So that, that was really, the plan was just to make them uncomfortable, to not let them do what they wanted to do um, and to not let him do what he wanted to do. We, we had a plan for what to do when he was on the perimeter and plan for what to do when he was in the post. Um, and we changed defenses a ton. You know, we, our, our traditional defense was a matchup. Um, you know, that we, that we would press back into, but we didn't want to press them. Um, and so we, we played a little softer defense and uh, we, we played our matchup and we played some straight two, three. And I, if I remember right, I think we even threw some triangle at them just to, uh, to make it, uh, just to give them one more thing to, uh, to confuse them. Because really, you know, for, for us, you know, if, if somebody other than Rashawn or Mike were shooting it, like we kind of won the possession. So that's really what we were trying to accomplish. Well, I will speak real quick about shaking the hands after the game, you know, Sumter again, being, being from there and, and I did not go to Sumter high, but I know how special athletics is in Sumter and basketball being very, very good over the years. I know that had to mean so, so much to those folks that, and I'm, I'm sure that there were fans in there that had no kids that were playing that they're just, they're just big Sumter basketball fans. And so sounds like a huge win and uh, appreciate you bringing that one to the table. And this is one of those rare episodes that we have a, just a like a double feature here. You have another game and you're, you're right. It's hard to pick one game. Uh, you probably got a, a few more in the hopper that you could choose. So let's go ahead and move on to your second game that you've told us about uh, and, and sending in your information. So we'd love to hear about the second greatest game. So in the, uh, the 2011, which was my last season at Sumter, um, we had just like the, the best season ever. I don't, I don't know if I could, uh, other than the final game, um, I don't know that if I that could, we could top it. Um, you know, that season kind of everything had come together. Um, you know, we ended up with two guys that signed Division One off that team. It was kind of the, the, the culmination of what we've been building. Um, and so we, we actually opened that season at, in a, at a tournament in the Bahamas. Um, and then later in the season, we went to play in a showcase at Norcross. Um, we got to play in the Arby's Classic, um, which is a huge tournament in Tennessee, where I'm from, um, that I, you know, spent my childhood sneaking into and 
buying tickets too and all kinds of different things just seeing people for years so having the opportunity to play in that you know we just had just an outstanding uh schedule and then um john combs you know who, who he and i have been friends you know the whole time i've been in south carolina um you know always like to have you know the way too difficult schedule um and he, he said hey nate if i get o'kill to come to columbia will you play them the night after we do and I said, of course, you know, we'll, we'll play them the night after you do. Um, and so I think it was the Marriott Invitational. Um, you know, I think Combs had T-shirts printed up and they had all everybody's rosters on them. And um, number one lesson that anybody in basketball coach who can ever play Oak Hill should take away from this is if you're going to play Oak Hill, play them on the second day of a back-to-back. Number, number, number one lesson. Okay, let somebody else play them on Friday night. Okay. And let them stay in a hotel and stay up as long as they want to and run around <laughs> do what they want to do and then play them the next day. Um, Cause they smoked Ridgeview the, the night before. I mean, he was a 30 point game uh, and I'm like, what in the world did I sign myself up for? Um, so we get there the next day, you know, and we, we've, um, it's a Saturday. So I think we played somebody the night before. Um, and so, you know, we're just going off our scouting report. And so that team is ridiculous. I mean, it's got Quinn Cook and Ben McLemore, Jordan Adams, Damian Wilson, A.J. Hammonds. I mean, they're, they're bringing, like, high major Division one players off the bench. Um, and so, like, you know, we're, like, you're kind of picking your poison, right? So you're like, well, what are we going to do? We, we, can't, we know we can't take everything away, but we got to do something. So on the scouting report, we're like, you know, make Cook shoot. Like, don't let him drive. Don't let him get in the paint. Don't let him break the defense down. Make him shoot. So, of course, first two possessions of the game, Quinn Cook hits two 25-foot threes <laughs> on six to nothing. And I'm like, oh. You know, so now not only are we in trouble, now they're not going to trust scouting reports either. So, um, But, you know, after, after, a minute, after a few minutes, after, the, you know, we, we shook off the uh, – we're playing Oak Hill and playing against these guys we watched on YouTube. Um, you know, we get back in the game. And, you know, I think at, at one point in the second quarter, we take the lead. And, um, you know, our matchup is bothering them a little bit. And we're, you know, forcing them to take, you know, perimeter shots, the tough perimeter shots, and, and just, you know, staying in the game. Um, and, you know, at halftime, you know, it's a two, three point game, you know, and so you're like, oh, this is, this, this is good. You know, you go and you talk about, you know, we stand in the run that you know is going to happen, you know, and then you get through the third quarter and it's still a two possession game, you know, and at that point you're like, you know, you know, it's only, there's only eight minutes left, you know, so like maybe we can figure out a way to actually win this game. Um, you know, and, and what a, uh, you know, what a, what a great opportunity this will be for the kids, you know, to, to, to add this one to because that was a team like we, we felt like we had a team that could win the state championship, you know, and so like this will be um, the kind of confidence boost that will help you in the playoffs. Like you're not going to play anybody in the playoffs better than this. So like you can do this. Um, and so then, you know, we, we, we hang with them. It's four point game with four minutes left. Um, and then, you know, then at the, at the end, you know, the cream rises to the top. You know, we get to the point where we can't play the way we want to play. We have to pick up the tempo. We have to force them to play a little bit. And uh, I think the last four minutes, Quinn Cook either scored or assisted on every possession. You know, so he he either got to the rim, got fouled, or he drew three defenders and passed to somebody else for a for a dunk. You know, and so they end up winning by I think they ended up winning by ten points. Um, but if you if you polled, um, you know, our, the members of our team you know, now, 10 years later, on what they remember from that season, I guarantee it's that game. 
you know, we win 20 games. Um, you know, we play in all those places. We, and we play in the Bahamas, we play in, you know, just have a great schedule for a, for a regular South Carolina high school basketball team. Um, but if you ask them, you know, they played Oak Hill. Uh, first, one thing, when you saw them smoke uh, John Combs and assistant coach Brian Rosefield the night before, <laughs> what, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, oh, crap, this was a bad idea? Was there, was there some doubt? <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. I, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I can't believe what Combs taught me. In the yeah, <laughs> screw John Combs. Yes, yeah. is what we were <laughs> I was like, I tell Combs every year he schedules, he, he overschedules, and now here I am playing the same schedule he is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, there was. I mean, that that team was. Just, I mean, you got guys going to UCLA and Purdue and Duke and Kansas, and you're like, I don't have any guys going to any of those places. You talk about uh, Quinn Cook though, and how he just took over the game, or how he opened the game with two 25 footers and took over the game. There's even a level for elite level basketball players, and I when I watched a lot more high level high school and was working in South Carolina, there's kids that are division one scholarship. And then there's kids that go to Duke and Florida and Kansas. Like they're on a whole, they're like a level up even. It's like, it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, you just think about Quinn Cook and Ben Macklemore. I mean, like yeah. if that's all they had. If they had Quinn Cook, Ben Macklemore, Nate Livesey, Brian Rosefield and Chris de Blasio, they would still be a hell of a team. Yeah. As long as we pass the ball. Right. Yeah, I'd be in charge of screening. That would be my job. <laughs> well, you, you, I mean, we're sitting here looking at this roster, and you, you, you spouted <laughs> off some of these names. It's absolutely incredible. And I remember seeing Quinn Cook play. He's one of my favorite kids I've ever seen play in that gym at Ridgeview. And John Combs, credit to him for bringing in Oak Hill. This was this, the, the Marriott Challenge. It changed names every year until Bojangles was able to come on and, and, the, and the Bojangles bash was created. But, like, what a unbelievable! You've already talked about it, Nate. But what an unbelievable experience for your kids. And we've talked about this on the show with several coaches. Like, and it's no disrespect to any other school in this case in South Carolina that you could have played, but your guys got to play Oak Hill. And yes, you lost the game, but now, like you say, your kids still talk about that. And they, they played against Quinn Cook. They played against Sadiki Johnson. That's the name. It went to Arizona, if I remember right. My God, my goodness, six eight, <laughs> two thirty, unbelievable athlete. You know, so what an incredible experience. And this, you know, and the, the one of the themes on this show that keeps coming up is just the the, the experiences we're able to provide for our kids just by playing the game of basketball. It's not, all, not always about winning games. Yeah, you wanted to win a game, but you didn't win it. And I guarantee you, like you've said too, like that experience helped prepare you for the other teams in South Carolina that you were going to encounter after playing an Oak Hill. I just, I don't know. I just wanted to hear if you had any more thoughts about just that experience overall for your kids. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the there's definitely, I mean, like, for example, I know that there's one, there's one of our kids, you know, you had a kid that came off the bench and uh, you know, he, 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 he was never, never a great player, but he got a, He got in transition and got a dunk at the end of the game. You know, and now, I mean, he probably scored 150 points in his high school career, you know, through through four years. And, you know, one of those was dunking at Oak Hill. And so, you know, what's the play he's going to remember for the rest of his life? You know, and um, again, you know, like I said, you know, that starting that season in the Bahamas, you know, and getting to play four games. And, you know, like, I mean, like I said, I just, if you ask those guys what they remember about that season, um, you know, I think they're going to remember the, the, the trips and the time we spent together, um, you know, much more more than they're going to remember anything else. And so like, that's really, uh, you know, one of the things that they, that one of the motivations behind wanting to, to build, um, you know, the uh, high level 
basketball program uh, is being able to provide opportunities like that. You know, like in, anytime you can do something um, that you, that one of your kids wouldn't get to do if they weren't part of the program. Like, I mean, I think that's uh, another win. You know, obviously you want to win basketball games. You want to help kids get to college. Um, but, you know, you're, you're not going to win all your games. Not all your kids are going to be college basketball players. Um, but you can, you know, provide experiences for them and opportunities for them to do things that they wouldn't get if they weren't part of your program. All right, Brian, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you off here. Another little trivia question. I don't know how much you know about Quinn Cook. I'm not going to give it away, but Quinn Cook emulated a player, uh, a young man who was older than him that he looked up to growing up in the same city, and he said he always emulated his spin move. Who is that player that Quinn Cook looked up to? Uh, now, if you I'm, know where Quinn I'm, Cook grew up, it might uh, give it away. I'm going to go Trey Kelly. Is this a Alfie Trey Kelly the third? Yeah. You are correct. Okay. Two for my last 33, if my math Look is at right. You. So, two man. for two. Retire. <laughs> I <would. laughs> All right, Coach. We like to end it here with a fun question a little bit. Um, if I talk to a player that played for you at, at Sumter in 2003 and I, and I talk to a player that's going to play for you this year at West Florence – uh, what's the one thing they would say Coach Livesey says over and over again? It could be a teaching point. It could be a funny quip, just something, or it could be something he yelled during a game constantly. I think the best one we had is one coach said his wife told him that you say, I forget what it was, but there's something that he said all the time in a the game they didn't realize it until his wife pointed it out. That's, that's funny. <laughs> um, you know, I think for me, um, it, it's probably going to be do it again. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I like it. I could see it in practice. I could see it. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, definitely from practice, you know, just like, all right, do it again. You know, like it, it, that was, that was, that was good. You know, we, 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 we talked about this. Now let's, let's do it again and do this. Now the, the vocal range of do it again, does that oh, vary? That, there can be a lot of, a lot of variance. In <laughs> you know, and sometimes be, with that. Do it again. You know, like do it again. Like we need to do another rep, where it can be, you know, do it again. Right. I was gonna say sometimes the lower version can even be more. It's after you rub the head, you just go do it again. You know, it could be that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the one of the one of the things that I found is like you know there are a lot of times where the less you can say the better. Um, you know, and you know I think in practice especially like you know if you if you've taught and the things aren't being done. Like they don't really need you to scream what they, what you they need to do right or what they need to do again. You can just say like do it again. Like you you know how to do it. You know what we expect. Do it again, and then do it again. Do it again. <laughs> do it again might happen a lot, but we're we're gonna do it right. So, well, I will tell you that's in my opinion that's one of the greatest lessons that your kids that have gotten a chance to play for you and will get to to get to play for you that that. Uh, just that expectation of just, like I said, just do it again. You're better than that. Just do it again. Just do it again. I still love you, uh, but you're better than that. Do it again. Do it again. And just that, that relentless pursuit of, uh, of continuous improvement. And so can't wait to see your guys play, hopefully it's sooner rather than later at West Florence. Uh, who knows what the future holds, but like you said earlier in the, in the, in the show, just focusing on what you can control or what we can control and, uh, right now, y'all are able to work out here, and uh, hopefully we're able to play here pretty soon. But Nate Livesey, can't thank you enough for coming on the on the Greatest Games with us today. 
Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, Brian. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It's, like I said, any chance to talk about basketball is a good time. So um, it, was, it was fun to listening to uh, listening to some of your earlier episodes and you know, hearing, hearing the guys that I knew talking about their games and, you know, some of that stuff that I'd seen and, and heard before and uh, was a uh, a great opportunity to just, you know, really to just reflect back on, you know, you don't, you don't spend a lot of time thinking about games that happened, you know, 10 and 15 years ago. So it was, it was fun to go back and, you know, look at some of those pictures from that 2006 game and, you know, see, you know, what Quinn Cook and Ben Lackmore are still doing. And, you know, even just think about the, you know, the guys on your team, you know, um, you know, I talk about experience like Travis Durant, you know, like, you know, I know he will never forget those four shots, you know, that that's, uh, that's something and nobody in Sumter who knows him will forget those four shots. So. That's right. Well, we appreciate your willingness to pick a couple of games. And it's like we said earlier, I know it's hard to, hard to do. So maybe it just means that we'll have you back sometime in the future. Talk about your, your third greatest game. So, uh, but, uh, until that time, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. So for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of the greatest games. Mm-hmm.